value our partnership in Sovereign Grace Churches. And so I'm excited to have a fellow pastor from Sovereign Grace here to preach for us this morning. Uh, Jeremy Hedrick is a pastor in Living Hope Church, where Ken Mellinger uh, served for many years, and you guys all know Ken. And uh, and his uh, and he is about to Jeremy is about to plant a church uh, in the beginning of September. They are going to be launching Redeeming Grace Church. So Living Hope Church, sister church we know, they are planting a new church, Redeeming Grace Church, and Jeremy is going to be its lead pastor. Uh, Jeremy's here today with his wife Katie. They've been happily married for 23 years and have uh, five children. Uh, We've been happy to host them in our home last night, and uh, whenever we have people in our home, uh, to find out all that I need to know about them, I have a secret weapon. Uh, I actually have six secret weapons. I release my children. I seek my children after them to go and find out all the things I need to know about them. And so uh, th- these are some important things you should know about Jeremy that I found out last night from my kids' questions. Uh, he does not like clothes. He does not like to wear clothes that has pink in them. Got an affirmation on that one. His favorite movie, Pride and Prejudice, the BBC version. Very specific. <laughs> Not the other shorter one. Uh, this was a bit of a blow to my own heart, but he does not—he does not appreciate amusement rides, which includes Disney World. Oh, it was so hard. It's much suffering in ministry, I tell you. You all will be encouraged to hear this one, though, since your pastor does not like sports. You'll love to find out that this is a man who loves sports, every sport. He couldn't even pick his top three sports. He loved them all so much. Favorite book of the Bible, Romans. It's a great one. I love Romans, too. Anybody else got a favorite Romans? Anybody? A few of them? Ah, yeah, so good. The rest of you, catch up. I do want to highlight something. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about something about Jeremy's plant and then uh, show the grace that it reveals. Um, most of the time when you think about a church plant, you're thinking about a man leading a small team of 20 to 30 people uh, to begin a new work uh, somewhere. And so there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of work from a small group, 20 to 30 people. The plant that Jeremy is leading is a plant of 120 people. 120 people. So I don't call that a church plant. I call that a church plop. You're just taking a group of people and plopping them down right there, and they're going to be a new church. Um, and so you could hear out of that like, oh, wow, well, that sounds like an easy church plant. you got 120 people right from the get-go. That's phenomenal. And in some ways, there are blessings to that, but there are also challenges to that. Uh, what this means is that he's not just organizing a small meeting. He's organizing and preparing for a large church to begin with. Um, he is also already pastoring a lot of people from the very get-go, not just starting a new church. And so what that tells me is a couple of things about the grace in Jeremy's life. Uh, one, he is committed to planting a church, and that's because he loves the lost. And he wants to reach the lost with a gospel presence right in their neighborhood. And so I love that about Jeremy. But I also love that Jeremy has a big heart to care for people. And he is a wizened, seasoned pastor that his church, Living Hope Church, is entrusting 120 of their people to. Can you imagine if we sent out 120 people 
And so that tells me that there is just tremendous grace both for the lost and for caring for people. And so I'm so excited for you to hear this message. Uh, it is both a great exposition of God's word and an inspiring testimony of God's work. And so let me invite Jeremy up to preach God's word to us. All right. Thank you for that well, working, well, work, <laughs> warm welcome. This is not starting off great so far. <clears throat> this is my first time ever preaching in two services, by the way. So if you weren't here this morning and this doesn't go great, you missed it. Okay. Um, so anyways, just good morning. Uh, thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Um, I used to serve a long time ago in a Sovereign Grace Church in Pittsburgh, and we used to do youth camp together with this church. So there are some familiar faces that I see. Um, some of you might remember, oh, that's that crazy pastor who led worship that jumped up and down. I don't do that as much anymore. I'm a little older. Um, but it's great to see so many familiar faces here um, at Covenant of Grace. So thank you so much. And I do bring you greetings first. Obviously, my wife is here with me. It's a joy for us to travel together. Um, she did drive a lot of the way so I could rest a little bit um, and then also help kind of prepare my message a little bit for this morning. And you just have to have a little window into our marriage. It's like normally she prefers that I drive um, because she just thinks it works out better that way. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's really good. It's actually uh, we have a little bit of fun back and forth about that. But I also I bring greetings from Living Hope Church in Middletown where Ben Kreps is our lead pastor and we have a number of guys on staff there. And, and I also bring greetings from our soon to be planted church redeeming grace church um so it is i can't believe it it's like six weeks away from our launch sunday um this has come quick um but it is exciting um so i also want to just say it is so great to partner together with you in sovereign grace um I don't know how much you've been exposed to our partnership. I know I'm here. I know you've had Kencom and other churches that you partner together with for youth camps and stuff. But I just want to emphasize this partnership that we have in the gospel. Because we don't do this mission alone. We are together in this. Right? And you guys are playing a significant part in this partnership by having Jace be the uh, regional leader for the Lower Great Lakes region, which right now we're planting into that region. We were approved. Actually, this church plant was birthed not just from Living Hope, but also through the region praying for this church plant to happen as Living Hope brought that to the regional assembly of elders like two or three years ago. So you, you're playing a significant part by Jace leading in the region. I just want to highlight one aspect that I really appreciated about at our last regional assembly of elders. Um, we are blessed by his leadership where he led us to throw axes at a wall. All right. So you may ask that question like, what, what, what kind of leadership is that? Like you're throwing axes at the wall. Well, believe it or not, those kinds of activities provide a context where we can develop greater friendships and actually have more intentional conversations one-on-one and things. And I hope you, I, I wish you would have been there actually uh, to see how that was fostering the relationships we have among pastors and churches in our region. That's significant. We're not alone. That is such a glorious aspect of our partnership. And him leading as our regional leader is a huge part of that and leading us in that. So I know you know this, 
But as you release Jace to help and serve and partner together and lead all this, this is you're sowing out, but I hope that you know there's a principle here of sowing and reaping. You also are going to benefit a lot as you sow out. So thank you for that. Thank you for your partnership in this group of churches through giving some of your lead pastors time to to care for other churches, to partner together, and to tie us together so that we're united in mission. This is a glorious mission that we're on, and we're in it together. So thank you for that. And it's great that I get a chance and an opportunity here to preach God's Word to you. Um, It is not something I take lightly. um, But it's also, I just want to kind of prepare you as we're going here into this message. Uh, The title of this message is Praying for an Open Door. But some of this message is going to be expositional, but interwoven is going to be a little bit of a testimony from Living Hope Church as they prayed for um, God to open the door to plant a church. So if you would, please turn in your Bibles to Colossians 4, beginning in verse 2. Over the last decade or so, Living Hope Church has discussed off and on, and, and prayed about off and on, church planting, but never, never made much progress in trying to figure out how to do this church planting thing. On January 3rd, 2021, Ben Kreps, our lead pastor of Living Hope, he preached a message focusing on prayer, which he always does every year. The title of that message was Praying for the Harvest, and it was from the text Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And in listening to his message, this is what he said. He said, as I address you from this text, I want to ask you to pray about planting a church out of this church. We don't have a solid plan. We don't, we don't even have a man, but we have a desire to see Christ proclaim in Central PA. So Living Hope is right there, just south of Harrisburg, a little east in Middletown area. They said, while we don't have all the answers for church planting, we serve a God who gives life to the dead and who calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is the God we serve to whom we pray. And he said this, I'm calling all of us this year to make a commitment to pray to the Lord of the harvest, asking him to raise up workers in the harvest, praying about church planting, how God might open doors for us, how he might raise up church planters to lead this. And he ended his statement, I anticipate we are going to see answers to prayer we do not expect, and God move in ways that we will just marvel at. That's how he started off in in that message. That was January 3rd, 2021. I don't know where you were at that point in time or what was going on, but something we should think about is that was still in some of the COVID season. So it's counterintuitive. Like, hey, this is a great season of sickness and everything, and let's go plant a church. Um, So anyways, it's, it's really, honestly, I believe the Lord was leading Ben in this whole process. And this morning as we come to Colossians 4, It's almost like Ben Krebs was taking a play out of the Apostle Paul's playbook. Because through the Apostle Paul, we're called to pray. We're called to ask God for his activity and do things that he alone can do. So let's look at Colossians 4, 2 through 4. And if you are able to stand, would you please stand with me as I read God's word? This is a way that we can show reverence to the scriptures as God's word. And it also is a reminder to ourselves that these are not just any words. But these, even as I read them, this is God speaking. These are God's authoritative words, infallible and errant in everything. So let's read these three short verses. Colossians 4, verse 2. 
Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. You may take your seats. Let's pray. Father, thank you for thank you for being the God who communicates to us, who reveals himself through the pages of scriptures, who who instructs us in the way that we ought to go. Thank you that you you care so much about your church, you care so much about us that you do not leave us wondering what it is you want for us. You do not leave us wondering, how is it that we can actually come to you? You've given us your Son. We are all, we are so grateful for the salvation that we've received in Jesus. And Lord, this morning I ask that you would strengthen me. I pray that you would strengthen all of us. That we would behold you in your word. That you would open our eyes afresh. That we would behold wondrous things out of your law. And I pray in a greater way, you would give us an increase of faith that we would have hearts that will ask you. And not just ask you, but we would expect from you responses as we ask you when it comes to evangelism, the mission, the church planting, and the lost. Lord, give us more faith. Help us to see you. Help us to trust you. Fill us with your spirit. Anoint me now and give me strength to preach your word faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there is nothing like starting off a message that can sink us under condemnation like a message on prayer. How many of you say, yes, I am in the A category, not B or C. I'm in the A category of praying. Of praying. I can't raise my hand in that. But as you start off a message, not just about prayer, but also it's tied into evangelism, that's like a double whammy, isn't it? Right? How many of you, I'm just, this is, I, I didn't ask this in the earlier service, but how many of you remember the game show that talked about whammy where the, they're doing the no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, stop! And then it just hits on the whammy and you just kind of like, wah, 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 wah. Well, this is like a double whammy, it seems, as Christians, as we think about evangelism and prayer. Those two things at the outset of a message can be like, oh, this is weight. But that's not God's heart at all. God's heart of all, of all things is to remind us of the gospel, to remind us of his grace, to remind us that he is with us, even as we think about prayer and evangelism. This is all his idea. And he's in his economy of all things, he's provided exactly all things that we need. So think about this first. Romans 8, verse 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Where we see or we think we, think we understand, like, oh, I'm inadequate, I'm failing. yes. But guess what? We're forgiven. We're under the blood of Christ. And he's given us a spirit. He's leading us one step at a time in all of these things. And Christ Jesus has died for all of our sins, all of our inadequacies, all of our past failings. Even now, as we're wondering, like, okay, evangelism, whew, okay, how do I trust you with this? How do I even open up my mouth? The Lord is in this to be with us, to carry us through, and to lead us forward. So remember that we, and before the Father, we have a perfect righteousness that's standing through Christ, all by faith. As we talk about this, don't miss that. 
I'll come back to that in a little bit. But the other part of this message as we're going into this that I want to re- remind and kind of set you up for is this, this is a, it's a call not just to, to pray, but it's a call to remember. It's a message of hope. God who hears our prayers answers our prayers. Okay? So now, let's look at this text from four different points. So the first point that I have for us to consider this morning from very very first verse in, cha- in, in chapter 4, verse 2, is be devoted to prayer. Now Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, but Paul's laying this out as an imperative, a command for the Colossians to devote themselves to prayer. As you understand this phrase, he is, in the original language, he's actually saying, be devoted. It's not just, okay... It's not this every, every other day or this every other month or whatever. It's, it's consistent and constant. This is a devotion that's linked to the mission of the gospel, as we'll see a little bit later. Now, remember we're in chapter 4, though, right? So he has all these other three chapters that have come before it. And I think we need to kind of reflect on that and go back and understand just a little bit of when, where is he going from, from this? How is he getting into this command? So in the very beginning of this book, Paul is reminding them of how they were saved. Go back to chapter 1 with me. Go back to chapter 1 with me in verse 3. Even as he starts out this letter, what does he want the Colossians to know? What does God want us to know? He wants to remind us of how the gospel came to us. Paul says to the Colossians, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, their salvation, and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you. He's anchoring the Colossians in the very beginning of this book, in this letter to them. Remember how you have been saved. Remember how this gospel came to you. So Covenant of Grace Church, remember how the gospel came to you. How God came into your life and rescued you. Showed you, not just your sin, but what He gave to you in the Gospel of Christ, the cross of Christ, Jesus paying for all of our sins. And not only that, but giving us this favor that is unconditional before the Father. That we actually, as children of God, get to call God the eternal God of all the universe. Our Father. This does not seem to compute in my mind. It's because God has done this. So even as you get a command, you've got to reference, you have to have that reference point. But even beyond that, he gets to chapter 3, and he fixes their gaze eternally. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. He's going and taking them to, okay, now what is your identity now? We're no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. We are hidden in Christ. So everything that he talks about with the command is having that in view. And so as he comes to chapter 4, and he's saying, devote yourselves to prayer. Covenant of Grace Church, devote yourselves to prayer. He's already thinking and having them thinking God's prior activity in their lives. 
Now, I heard you recently have gone through the Proclaim course, which I, I love that course. I've actually taught that course myself um, in, in some other settings. But as you think about the lost in evangelism, we are just simply called first and foremost to pray. Be devoted to prayers. Now, you may not see how in the world you are to move forward in evangelism. I'm not going to have a raise a hand to say, okay, who has really never shared the gospel with someone before? That's not the point of this verse. The point of this verse is to pray. Be devoted to prayer and ask God. That's what Ben Kreps did, asking Living Hope Church to do, uh, to do for, for church planting in January 3rd, on January 3rd, 2021. What happened in response to Ben's message? I'm just going to share a little bit of the testimony here. So they began to pray. Now, I'm saying they, because my family was not at Living Hope at this point in time, in the beginning of 2021. No clue what they were doing at that point in time. So the church began to pray in homes and community groups. They began a monthly prayer meeting, a monthly prayer meeting for Living Hope, which included a specific section of time devoted to praying for church planting, church planters, and the lost. Ben would say, we didn't have a plan, we didn't have a man... We had no idea how to go forward, but we just simply knew we were to pray. So they were devoted. They were committed to praying. So I just ask you, Covenant of Grace Church, will you, I'm sure you have to some degree, maybe you're really devoted to this, but just from this text, be devoted to prayer. Will you commit yourselves to praying? Being steadfast in prayer. Asking God to move. That's point number one, be devoted to prayer by now. You say, yeah, okay, I got the point, Jeremy. But how do we pray? How should we pray? Well, Paul gives an answer to this in verse, actually the latter portion of verse 2 and 2b. Point number two, be watchful with thanksgiving. How are you to pray? Being watchful. This means staying alert. Actually, the word here gives in us an understanding of like a, a, a guard, like a soldier standing at attention, watching everything under his responsibility. That's kind of how Paul uses this, this verb, being watchful. So for here in the Colossians and for us, Paul is saying, being watchful for what God is doing. So not just pray, but keep your eyes open. It's a watching that's intentional. So what are we to be watchful of? Well, it could mean Christ's imminent return, but in the context, it seems that Christ, that God wants us to think about the emphasis here on watching for God's work in response to the prayers for the mission, for the gospel going forward. And then he says, with thanksgiving, which obviously thanksgiving is meant to go to God. Obviously, that's the one to whom we pray. And when we see him work, that's what we want to do. One of the commentaries, or one of the commentators on this verse said the connection here with thanksgiving suggests the threefold rhythm of intercession, watching for our answers to prayer, and then thanksgiving when the answers appear. So, my question for you and my own heart in this is when you pray, are you and I watchful to discern when God answers our prayers? Waiting, even, as you pray, to thank God for the actual prayers. I can guarantee you, there is evidence of grace in Living Hope Church that they were doing exactly that. As they were praying, many people were watching for God to work. So, little tidbit here. 
When Living Hope started to pray for church planting and church planters, my my family and I were in a different church denomination in a different church in an entirely different county of Pennsylvania. So through several providential circumstances, in August of 2021, eight months after Ben preached this message, my family and I discerned the Lord moving us to Living Hope Church. Now, just to kind of back up a little bit, I was in a church where there was no lead pastor, and I was actually considering applying and pursuing this lead pastor position at the encouragement of their elders. Um, I, had been a, I had been a sovereign grace pastor for eight years before, ended my tenure in 2010. I'd been out of ministry up until last September for 12 years. Um, I pursued my MDiv, finished my MDiv, graduated in May of 2021 with my Master of Divinity from Southern, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I, I always love the Southern. It's like, it's the only Baptist. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's just fun to think about. Um, but anyway, so I, I was wondering, we were trying to discern, am I called to back in the ministry? And that was a great church that we were at, but we discerned as a family and as a couple this is not where I'm called to pastor. And at that point, it was like, okay, if God is calling me to pastor, he'll do it. He'll position us. And so through some circumstances, we ended up walking into Living Hope Church in August of 2021. Now, unbeknownst to me, on our, I think it was our first Sunday, an older woman in our church that we've become really dear friends with now walked up to my wife. Talk about watching. She walked up to my wife and asked her this question. Are you the couple that we've been praying for? I got chills just in thinking about now again. Um, To plant a church. And my wife's response is, I I, I don't know. We, We had no clue what they were praying for. We had no clue. And my wife wisely did not tell me of this conversation until just a couple of months ago, I think. Um... But here's the deal. This woman was devoted to prayer. She's a prayer. But she's watching, just like many others at Living Hope Church, watching. So we're praying intentionally for this. God's going to answer. <laughs> and he did. As you consider your prayers for evangelism and the loss, and even maybe church planting, and I want to also say for another church building where you can be together, not two services, but one, and where new faces can come, being strategically located in this area. Are you watching? Not just praying, but are you watching? In the earlier service, I shared this because it was during the worship in the earlier service that I felt like the Lord gave me an impression. And it was a a picture of of a, a beacon or a light on the top of the hill. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you that that in the future it seems maybe he would lead you to a place where you have a building and it's actually maybe even on the top of a hill where you're seen from all around and he's going to strategically place you there. Um, and I, that's just what I shared. I actually at the break, uh, Jason's like, you, you, you don't know this, but we've had some thoughts about this particular area and stuff. So I'm sharing that again. Um, can God do that? Yes. Pray and watch. Right? Do that in your evangelism. Pray and watch. Be watchful of this. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you can, you can find yourself lacking enthusiasm in your prayers or excitement or even just wondering, like, 
is this going to actually happen? You know, as we look around in our country, sometimes it's hard for us to see God at work, right? And that can impact us. So what I want to do is just encourage you, ask the Lord why you lack enthusiasm, why you might lack excitement, and ask him to help you. It could be fear, it could be a lack of faith, but here's the deal. God loves to meet us where we are and take us to the next step where we can, yes, confess unbelief or fear of man or, oh, this is just way outside of my comfort zone because he is on the move. This is not about us. It's about his mission, his glory, his salvation going to the ends of the earth. Remember the Great Commission. Jesus gave that commission to the disciples and to the church, and he said, I am with you even to the end of the age. Now, I love at the beginning of this epistle then in, in verse 6 of chapter 1. If you go back there again, I, want, I ended before I got to this point purposely. Because he's already at the beginning of this epistle sowing faith into the Colossians. The very end of verse 6, well, I'm going to start off at the beginning here. It says, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Paul is acknowledging God is on the move. This gospel is powerful. And God is moving to spread the fame, the salvation, the preeminence of Christ throughout the world. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Christ and Him crucified is on the move. Be watchful then. Be watchful with thanksgiving. That's point number two. Point number three, Paul actually gives us what to pray about. Not just how, but what to pray about. In verses three and four, we see this. He is saying, oh, let me flip over here real quick. He is saying at the, to- at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. Paul is saying, yes, God's going to do this. He's moving, he's moving but he invites us to be a part of this process. So point number three is pray for open doors. Paul knows that God's going to answer. It just just, simply astounds us that God invites us to be a part of this mission. Think about this. God responds to the prayers of his people for his own mission. He includes us. Like, who are we? I can't believe I'm standing here and preaching in the, well, I should say Copley area, not Akron, right? So when somebody says about we're the Harrisburg Church, Ben will like, no, we're in Middletown, right? So, but God, God calls us into this mission. And the first thing he does is say, pray for it. Pray for open doors. Paul says this mission is going forward, but it does, God does this through open doors. Doors. So we need the Lord to open doors. We can't beat down these doors, open them up of our own strength. We need God to open up the doors. But not only that, to actually have an understanding or eyes to see when those doors are open, right? Like, I know when we go out to eat, I love when we order and the waitress brings our food or a waiter brings our food. Um, I love to ask them if there's anything we can pray for for them at that moment. Why? I'm just seeing there's, if there's an open door. I'm not forcing a door, but oftentimes God gives an open door, not only to hear where they are, but to be able to share Christ with them, right? So just little seeds, like, okay, Lord, is this an open door? I'm praying for this. Okay, yes, here's an open door. And sometimes these, 
I mean, remember, in, I was in Louisville one time, and they, they actually just completely opened their life up, and we were able to share with them. So praying for that open door, recognizing when it's there, recognizing that people are people and not a project, right? We don't want to beat down a door or feel like, have somebody feel like we're, you're just a task box, checkbox on my list of evangelism. We want them to know the care of Christ or how we engage with them, right? Because we, we can try to go through the door when it's not actually really a door. Case in point, just a little story uh, of, let me not even go there other than just a story. During my pastoral, pastoral studies through Southern Seminary, I used to go to a college in our area, in Lancaster Bible College, um, and they had a library there. I can go and study there. And this one particular day I went there, um, I had been studying for about eight hours. Um, I was doing, this is kind of a little nerdy, but I was doing uh, a paper, uh, a Greek exegetical paper uh, for one of my classes. And so I was studying Greek and studying commentary, studying all this all day long. And finally got to the point, I was like, okay, it's an, I, got, I, I just, I, my mind is like mush. I've got to be done. I've got to leave. Okay. Now, just to understand the library, at the very beginning of the library, the entrance, there is this open area. It's a cafe where college students have their like tables and chairs for like 30 or 40 college students. Um, and so oftentimes it's very empty and stuff. But to the entrance, as you come into this, they're just like these two big glass doors and huge windows on both sides. So I was seeking to leave the library um, exhausted as I was, and, and my true-to-character form, I do everything with gusto. Um, I always seem to leave a, a, a door, like I push my entire body weight into it, and I have more mass these days than I used to. Um, so I lean my body into the door, just like I'm exhausted, and just, you know, you've done this too probably, and you just lean in. So I lean into this door, and all of a sudden there's a loud boom. And the door didn't move, to my surprise. And it rattled. I mean, it, it, it was loud. And so I bounced off of what I thought was the door. Here it was the large window to the left of the left door. I completely missed the door. Now, normally those tables and chairs are empty, like completely empty. Now, that's normally during the regular hours of the day. But in the evening... Oh, college students are frequenting this place, and it was packed. And I just turned around, and they're all looking at me. And all, all I knew to say was, it's a window. <laughs> and then I left the building through the actual door. Um, and now you're probably thinking, who is this guy? And he's a complete idiot. That would say, I'd say, yes, I am, and my wife would agree. But here's the point of this. We need God to help us understand what's the door, right? We're praying for this. We also want to pray and ask God to give us understanding. What door are you putting in front of us? Um, we want to make sure that we're following the Lord. And I love it. I pray and ask God to give divine appointments. That as we are interacting with people, that God would just lead us to this. You know, that's what Jesus was talking about earlier when his, with his testimony. Um, but God... God loves to answer these prayers. He did that for someone to come and speak to you when you heard the gospel, whether it was your parent or a friend or a co-worker. I didn't become a Christian until in college. My wife met me before I was a Christian. She didn't, have, she didn't want to have anything to do with me, by the way. Um, 
But after I became a Christian, so in that, someone came and interacted with me. And God saved me. He turned the lights on for me to understand I needed Jesus. God loves to answer this prayer. So back to Living Hope's example. August of 21, um, we had just said goodbye to that church. We had no knowledge that how Living, church, Living Hope was praying for church planters. We were just glad to be joining back in the sovereign grace and, uh, and just walking. I told Ben the first couple of Sundays, I was like, hey, can we just join? I mean, I taught new members classes in two different sovereign grace churches. Do I have to go again through it? He's like, no, 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 no. But in, in, in case you ever become a pastor again, you should at least at some point come through the class so you understand how we do it. I was like, all right, deal. So that was August. In September, um, there's a couple of series of events that happened. So the one thing that really stuck out to us, um, and it just seemed God was really moving, and I, I still don't understand it all, but um, my wife's aunt passed away. And so my father-in-law asked me to help him with the service and to do the message, which, which I said, be happy to do it. I'm preaching the gospel. He said, go for it. So I did a 15-minute message from John 3.16. Simple presentation of the gospel. This was in a very, um, let me just say, it does not, it's not a church setting that preaches the gospel at all. So of about 80 people that were there, a lot of older um, individuals especially, over 20 of those people came up to my wife and I, um, sharing how they've, basically, how they've not been moved by a message like that in a long time. <laughs> there was nothing fantastic. Well, my initial temptation was like, wow, I must be a good preacher. But my wife's like, no, don't get, 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 get past that. Um, it's like, thank you, you are a good counselor. Um, but what noted, I mean, one pastor's wife, said that exact thing. She said, I have not been moved by a message like that in a long time. And what that left a mark on us was like, there's a need for really good gospel preaching churches. And still, we were not aware of what Living Hope had been praying for. So I came back from that experience at the funeral. My heart was burning. Like, God, would you have me plant a church? I don't understand how that would go. And then I met with Ben. I had said to him, this is what happened. I don't know what to do with this. Help me process this, Ben. He's like, let's have lunch. So we got together for lunch, and he first invited us to go to the pastor's conference that November. Um, and then he said, do you, know, do you know what we've been praying for with church planting? And I said, no idea. He's like, well, you need to go back about eight or nine months, back to January 3rd in that message, and just listen to it. Because... I think you would be affected by that. And uh, he was right. I went back and I listened to it, and I was just undone. Um, I was like, God, is this, is this what you're doing? Um, and it was just it was crazy, because then, then Ben in that lunch, actually, he, he was just talking about, the, so we've been praying about this since January, and here's a couple of areas that we are thinking about would, would be ideal for us to plant a church. And when he got to Mechanicsburg, um, it was like the Lord just put his finger and said, that's what I have you to do. And uh, I told that to Ben. I actually said, I want to do that one. Um, and he's like, okay, we'll see. He's like, thanks. Um, and 
And just a little bit about Mechanicsburg. So I was born in Harrisburg and lived in Mechanicsburg for a couple of months before my family moved back up into Slander County. But this area feels so much like home to me. Even as we've driven around, we've actually moved into this area now. And it's just like home with the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains in the back. It's just beautiful. But as I'm driving around, just having a heart for this area. God has been moving in ways that just it can't be explained other than God answering the prayers of living hope. So fast forward through the series of events. So we went to the pastor's conference, and then we went to the church planter assessment weekend here in California, which helped us get assessed. Am I actually gifted, skilled, called, character-wise, and everything for this work? And then being evaluated by the Living Hope Church pastors. And after all of this, it just is like clear to all of us, God is opening this door. (laughs) And now we prepare to plant Redeeming Grace Church with about 120 adults and children. And I love this. When, <laughs> when we came back from the church planner assessment weekend, that same lady that talked to my wife, she came up to me on a Sunday morning at the break between worship and the message. And she said, how did it go? And I said, yeah, it went really well. You know, the, you know, it was a good feedback and recommendation or whatever. And so we'll see over the next couple of years what happens. And she looked at me and she just pointed at me. She's like, it's happening now, Jeremy. It's happening now. Which I was like, thanks. <laughs> and and, she, and, and, and it, it's faster than I had anticipated. Because um, that's just, you know, 2021 and we're in 2023. This has been super quick, but it's been God leading me this entire way. So obviously, we're still praying for open doors because we're just embarking on this, right? We all have open doors that we need. We need God to open them up for us. So first, will you pray for us? Will you pray for Redeeming Grace Church as we're embarking on this new, um, as this new endeavor goes forward? Um, but would you pray also for your own context, for your own church, as you reach out to local areas here in Copley and, and the Akron area? There is this reality in our evangelism. We do, know, we do not know who God is ultimately going to call and save. All we're called to do is pray and to go and to share. Expecting God to open up the doors and bring in the lost. So I don't know how much time you've been thinking about church planting even as a church, but do not sell God short in what he's doing. I've actually talked with our church plant team at Friday night's pre-launch meeting. From the get-go, I want us thinking, we're not just building this local church for this local church. There are needs outside of us. I'm, I'm burdened in my heart for the city of York. That is an area where we already have people coming to the church plant from. We have seeds there. We could send a church down the road to York. I want our church to be thinking outside of our church. That's the healthiest thing for local churches to do. Because we can be so closed-minded and, and it's almost here. We're insulated against you know the world. But no, we're called to go. We're called to go. We're called to sow out. That principle of sowing and reaping is so true. God has it in his word for a purpose. We sow, we reap. We sow, we reap. That's, that's the wonderful economy of all things. That means it keeps us out of our hands. It's all in God's hands. So pray for open doors. Pray for open doors in evangelism. Pray for open doors for a new facility for this church. Pray for open doors for church planting. You, 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 don't, you might not know what exactly the next steps are. God knows. And he loves to answer so that's point number three, pray for open doors. The last one here, and I, I feel like this is also very, very encouraging, is pray for the clarity of the gospel message. 
So we see this. The Apostle Paul says this. He says uh, at the end of verse 3, to declare the mystery of Christ. So pray for us to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Think about this a second. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the bulk of the New Testament, is asking for prayer that he would have clarity to speak. Now, he has written for us. God has inspired him to write all of these epistles for us. And here he is asking for prayer. That it would be clear. The gospel would made, be made clear. When he talked about declare the mystery of Christ, he's talking about the gospel. Pray that it would be clear. Such an encouragement to us. If the Apostle Paul needs prayer for this, we all need prayer for this, right? So pray that God would make it clear. As we launch on September 3rd, pray for us. Pray for me that I would make it clear, but not just me, but for our team, right? It's not just me planting a church. It's not just you coming to grace with your lead pastor or your pastoral team that are they're declaring this gospel. It's all of you. All of you are called to this. All of us need clarity from the Lord to be able to share this accurately. The wonderful thing here is God promises to be with us. Jesus said in the Great Commission, He is with us to the end of the age. So as we're going, we're praying, we're watching, we're praying for open doors, and we're praying for clarity of message, Jesus is all in it from the beginning to the end. It's as if it's all about Him and all for Him. As if, Jeremy? No. It is all for Him. It's all about Him. And you know what the awesome thing is? He's after the good of so many people. (laughs) If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, you know that in the Gospel is revealed to us a heart for you, for the lost. That you not be lost anymore. Jesus Christ came. I, he said, I did not come to be serve, served, but I came to give my, land, my life as a ransom for many. Do you know, if you do not know Christ, do you know that Jesus is today alive and offering himself to you? If you will, he knocks at the door of your heart saying, listen, do you know that you are under the wrath of God if you do not receive me? Do you know that I have laid down my life for you? To pay for all of your sins. The prophet Isaiah records for us, it says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. Every, we have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Paul says in Romans 3, one of my favorite books, Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room. Those of us who have trusted Christ, have turned and trusted Him, we're redeemed. We have this glorious thing that God is the just one, but He's also the one who justifies us by faith. If you are not a Christian this morning, Jesus offers himself to you so that you can be justified by faith 
that you can be forgiven of all of your sins, past, present, and future. Like, that's crazy. That doesn't compute in our minds. But that Jesus' forgiveness lasts until we get to eternity, and then it's all new. It's a glorious thought. Jesus offers himself to you. Will you come? Will you turn from your sins? Will you trust in him? He is waiting for you to come and receive this salvation free. Nothing you can do, it can earn it. Come and receive. Jesus is that good. Covenant of Grace Church, my heart for you is that God would grant you the richest of faith to pray for laborers, to pray for the harvest, to pray towards this mission of the gospel. May God make you alert in your prayers, filling your hearts with not just anticipation, but thanksgiving, because as you watch and work, this glorious gospel and its mission, God will move it forward. May he grant you clarity of message so that the gospel is clearly articulated in the Akron, Copley, and surrounding areas from this pulpit and from your very mouths. May he grant you success in finding a new facility, but also in raising up and providing church planters to sow out church plants from this vicinity so that more areas can be reached for Jesus and this mission. May he grant you additionally faith that goes beyond this nation, though. As we partner together in Sovereign Grace Ministries and Sovereign Grace Churches, not just in the United States, but in the whole entire cosmos, in this whole globe, as the powerful message of the gospel goes forward. Remember, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. Let's pray. Let's pray and expect. Let's pray. Be devoted to prayer. And expect God and he will in fact work. Now I know probably all of you or most of you at least know the name of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Known as the Prince of Preachers. He had a ministry in London at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, where it's sometimes the services drew like 10,000 people. That's a lot of people. But Spurgeon had a very humble and biblical attitude about his ministry. He never took credit for it. Never took credit for the fruit. As a matter of fact, when people came to his church to learn the secret of his success, he took them to the basement where there were hundreds of people on their knees in fervent prayer. Yes, hundreds of people. There was prayer before and even during the service. Spurgeon called these prayer gatherings the church's boiler room. So some of you know what I mean by boilers, right? Well, in Spurgeon's day, steam was the main power, main source of power. Boiler rooms were powerhouses that drove everything from home heating systems to enormous machines and factories. While boiler rooms were never the most glamorous part of a building, they were absolutely essential. They powered everything. And Spurgeon referred to this prayer room as his boiler room. He said, if the engine room is out of action, then the whole mill will grind to a halt. We cannot expect blessing if we do not ask. Virgin recognized that the prayers of God's people were essential in fueling his preaching in his church. But I would suggest to you that prayers empower the entire gospel mission. 
God has worked this together for us to participate with him. And as I move to a close to pray, I just want to remind you, though, as you think about it, and we talked in the very beginning of the message that this can feel weighty, we can almost feel this condemnation, how can we even do this? Well, be reminded of what Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is his mission. (laughs) He's doing this. He invites us to participate. And he will help us by his grace to do it all. And it's for his glory, for his pleasure, and for the good of many people. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Lord, I'm just freshly aware that there's nothing that I have done to put me where I am in leading this church plan. I look back and reflect on living hope, praying, and you sovereignly moved my family to living hope for the purpose of this church plant. Lord, we just, all of us want to just acknowledge that we are your real estate. And you can move us wherever you want us to be. We just want to serve you. Because you have, you have wonderfully served us in Christ. Lord, would you powerfully work in covenant of grace that they would not only be devoted to prayer, but that they would be watchful, that they would see your answers, how you're working. Give them hearts of thankfulness when they see it. Open doors for them. Open doors for evangelism, for sharing with their neighbors, co-workers, friends, people in the community. Help them to recognize where those doors are. And give them the clarity that you promised to us through your Spirit that you will give us the words to share. Thank you, God, for their hearts for the lost as evidence in going through this proclaimed course. I pray that you would richly bless them as they reach out. Richly bless them with a new facility. And richly bless them, Lord, as they look forward to the future that you would actually, from this church, send out other churches so that their influence, their reach of the gospel ministry of spreading the gospel far and wide will continue to expand. Protect them from the evil one and advance your kingdom for your glory and the good of many people. In Jesus' name, amen.